Hi guys, welcome back to Melanin Girl Podcast. Today we are on episode 17. And today we'll be talking about how black women are represented in the art world. Now let's get started. Today, talking about how black women were whitewashed currently by art. Now, when where are all the beautiful, powerful, black-skinned females from the thought in history? They were erased by Western art, arguably Sophia Smith Gaylor. Clashes of the Titan was one of the most popular films of 1981. A glittering reunion of Hollywood stars told by the story of Perseus, the demigod from Greek mythology, who killed a, a Perseus, the demigod of Greek from Greek mythology, who killed a sea monster and saved the beautiful princess Andromeda from being said monster's lens. Such film, such was the film's popularity that it was remade in 2010. The film managed a rather disempowering 26% on the Rotten Tomatoes site. How many of those ratings films had a classical education is unclear, but perhaps it would have been performed better if it had producers done their research. As according to the British art historian Elizabeth McGrath in 1992, the Black Andromeda, Andromeda was in, indeed originally depicted as a black princess from Ethiopia. More like these. Any who has watched either of the two classic Titans films will know that Judith Bauer and Alex DeVos are both white women, and anyone who has seen Andromeda in a painting, perhaps Titan or Perthene will believe she's white too. But MacArthur Arca was defend, def, definitive and defined addressing three things that all Greek mythographers place Andromeda as a princess of Ethiopia, that all of a specific reference to her dark artists throughout Western art. History frequently omit to depict her blackness because Andrea was supposed to be beautiful, and blackness and beautiful for many of them was not common. There is no doubt about Andromeda's race, according to the Professor McGarth. Yes, Renaissance arts are rep- repeatedly depicted Andromeda as white. In Piero di Cosmo, Persephone's freighting Andromeda from the 1510s, she is actually whiter than all the figures around her, including a black magician and her parents, who are considerably darker in an exotic costume. We do note that there was an actual debate about her skin color, a debate that would certainly seem racist to the modern eye. McGar rescues Francesco's Pacino, a Spanish artist and writer, who asks in one passage of the book, Art de la Petra, why Andromeda is so often painted as a white skin when several sources of this say she is black. He obviously got a terrible shot that Ovid could be talking about a woman as beautiful but black. McGarth tells BBC Culture almost three decades after publication of her article, books such as Piniclu were used as reference guides for painters on how to paint who and what so could easily to see how his views could have been spread. Black Andrea was few and far between the images like Bernard Pickle's print of Perseus, 1731, and Andrea by Abraham von de Pic in 1655, appeared to show a woman with stereotypical white features and hair, but with dark skin. Andrea is not only the only black figure in art, this happens to be far from the fact. In fact, the whitewash, whitewashing of Andromeda was prefigured in Renaissance European by Christianity. Mike Oren, an art historian who led tours around London's gallery, examining the reputation of black people in art, come to study Renaissance art history through his 
fascination with the black magi. This is one of the three kings or magi depicted in the nativity adoration of the magi scene, typically the giver of myrrh. Ordra was surprised at the positivity of this figure that consisted of with history's many depictions of black people in several roles. The black king was used as a positive figure, he says, symbolizing a young African continent that has come to join Europe and Asia in Christianity. He quote, he was used as an example of bringing the world together and in and, and, and end times. Ordra searched for the black king's supposed origin and found them in travels of Sir John of Madville, a 14th century text which said that the black magi was from Saba, a kingdom in Ethiopia. So Ordra was shocked to discover that many paintings in the Old Testament visitors to King Solomon and the Queen of Sheba Another word for Saba, depicting her as a white woman, he referenced Claudia Lauren's seaport with the embroidery of the Queen of Sheba hanging in the London National Gallery. She is shown in detail at the edge of the painting, but she is white. But the Queen of Sheba I knew came from Sheba, that was in Ethiopia, and the Black King was Saba, so the Queen of Sheba had to be black in my mind. All it takes is a few minutes of searching Queen as she was painting on Google Images to see a itinerant reclining exotic a white woman glancing dangerously either at the view of the king at the viewer or the king solomon there was once some depiction of the queen of sheba as a as a dark skin but the Renaissance saw her whitewashing and sexualization on a grander scale for aura is a jar's early depiction of her such as the scene as the altarpiece of kala Sturmbuga in Austria, which portrays her visiting the king next to the image of the adoration of the Magi. She was using as a prefiguration a a forward a foreteller and a prophecy that the king would visit the baby Jesus as a queen visit Solomon by the eighteenth century. She is no longer a queen meeting a king to have such a healthy debate. She is a isolationist seductress seductress. But those who depict the Queen of Sheba, or indeed Andromeda, have a handy excuse. Ethiopia, for both the writer of the classical and study of the Bible, could mean very different things. For Ab Arabic speakers, could understood, could understood that the Queen of Sheba was called Queen Bizquil and came from Yemen. The etymology of Ethiopia comes from the ancient Greek for scorched faith. To them, it was a byword for anyone from hotter, further climes than the smaller known world. It's quite unstable, Magart quotes, and says, it can be somewhere in Africa, even India, these vague places, somewhere places are here at the ends of the earth, and Utopia can also be like a magical land where strange things happen. When they think, well, Utopia can really mean black people, Andromeda can't really be black, they all then they find all sorts of reasons to say that Ethiopia means something elsewhere. It means somewhere in the east, and they can easily point to the fact that there are vagueness around the places of Ethiopia. The translation of the Bible, which Renaissance artists would have been working hard, also gone through several iterations since its creation. McGarth writes in the Black Adrama about how it's in the original Hebrew and then Greek, the Queen of Sheba declared in the Solomon of Songs of Solomon in the Old Testament, I am black and beautiful. By the time it made to into the 1405 AD translation into Latin and become but, I am black, but beautiful. In England, in the 16th Latin publication of the King James Bible, changed it further, I am black, but comical. The racist attitude that diminished and hypersexualizes black women are obvious. Perhaps it is this phrase rather than any painting that has been the most destructive of them all. 
black is beautiful. Without the wisdom of the Queen of Sheba or the beauty of Andromeda, images of black beauty in art are rare. And they are, of course, plenty of sketches and paintings of black people. But from the 18th century onward, the largely focused on studies of fieldwork, servants, and slaves. There is an odd abnormally through, and these anomalies take us back from the Netherlands, where the black magi as a symbol of flourishness. In addition, Elizabeth McGurk's 16th century aspect as fairly open mind inspired by Psalm 67, where Ethiopians will stretch forth hand to God where its genitalia with some unusual artwork. According to the Old Testament, Moses married a Cushite, an Ethiopian, and in Joseph Jordan's depiction of Moses and his Ethiopian wife in 1650, the couple confronts indeed might even seem to challenge the very presence of the spectators. God actually gave Moses' sister Miriam leprosy for a week to ponder for seeking against Moses' of bribes. It's an unlikely iographic depiction of anti-racism. Peter Paul Rubin, the artist credited for making Big Beautiful, also made Black Beautiful in Four Rivers in 1610. The Four Rivers are personified and everyone is well pretty much robust and with rippling muscles and heaving bosoms. In the middle site, the Nile, the only figure to start directly at the viewers is her nudity is tinlight hidden her skin is dark and she is by far the most bejeweled figure in the piece yes she's exotic but there is a power to her and she's equal to the white woman in the image there was an interest in the black painting in Anathel partly because of the conversation of black people partly because people actually saw black people in the street said McGar. these do however may anomalies in the Western art history. McGarth explains, one reason why the black king goes out to the favor is that people, religious artists, and the audience are not so interested in the old religion religiously symbolizing the Ethiopians and the Gentile. And so whose Ethiopianness was part of their appeal were simply seen as unimportant. The complex story of European racism as well as at how beautiful and useful black biblical fig figures were to those who wanted to teach religion through art and that helps to explain the absence of black figures in our history. For Michael Orday or on his art tour, this is why it's all more important to try and locate the few representation of the black Queen of Sheba and the black Andromeda. And I can figure out why they disappeared. The huge influence that Western art history has in our imagination when it comes to visualization. It also stems from another term of like not being truly there and present in the culture. And I also have to think of of also the interpretation of Bible and it, it gained lost translation. And I find out why they disappear. The huge influence that the Western art history has has had our own imagination when it comes to visualizing figures from the Bible or classic is arguably one that needs constant integration. Under such lens, Ginza Lonenberg played the Queen of Sheba in 1950, or Alex Debo played Andromeda became problematic. I think for the purpose of showing people and the kids that they are these pictures that are really important, McGar says, what was actually happening with these artists and what promoted them to do these pictures well is a bit complicated. And by a bit, I mean a lot. And I mean a lot. But then we're going to try to focus on the positivity of this and showing that we can still be in art. Galleries are focusing on female artists to tackle the industry's gender divide. Dealers are attempting to readjust the balance as reports shown that women continue to be underrepresented. 
as the Me Too movement continues to highlight gender disparity, a New York shows that female art are still lagging behind their male counterparts in terms of gallery reputation and sales. The 2019 Art Basel and USBS Global Art Marketing Report by Claire McAndrew released today reveals that 10% of the 3,050 gallery survey has no women on the roster, while only 8% more than women than men are also half 40% representative and 20% of fewer women. Succeeding with Women History Month, and many do attempt to redress the balance, although moving the needle on the party will take time and dedication and accent. Some people said that this movement are just a phase, but I'm not convinced. This movement will continue to grow. Another, Rachel Lehman, the co-founder of Lehman Lupin's Gallery, which has long championed a female artist since its founding in 1996, and voices a roster including McClail Thomas, Lee Blue, Tessa Fernandez and Merlin Minister and Shiel Binku. These are artists who are hungry to leave a mark, Leanne says, and to explore perhaps in a stronger way who hasn't been actually said in the last 20 to 30 years. And that's why we need to show more representation of black women being represented in the art world today because it's sadly not there enough. And also, the black model is a, can be a more gateway of empowering other women to like to leave their mark on the world and just to be in the background as I per se I think that also needs to change on how galleries should focus more on female arms to tackle that gender divide and make sure women of color are represented in any shape or form not in just in museums but in congress and politics and media and movies and like to show that we are here to have our basically our own stamp in the world and that we are here to stay in a sense and I hope that that will be known as you continue on to like spread out the talents and know the divide um, to get the whole cultural general norm of we need to be, our voices need to be heard and we need to know that we are here and that we are not going anywhere and just to have, you know, not just white artists or we need we be represented for ourselves because we have came a long way for our voices to be heard and it's not enough for us to be to turn our gaze and be ignored perhaps being uh, shadowed by our other counterparts as well and not being able to allow our voices to be heard in a symphony way as other people have been able to express their expressions for a while I also think it's very important that the, she hopes to call this action like initiative can inspire more people to have to reveal their own informational deficits and narrow reputation of gender equality. When you want to see more of black women represented in the art world today. I also think there also is a black Canadian woman artist who tangles the roots of black beauty. Renowned visual artist Mikhail Thomas has taken over the fifth floor space gallery of art gallery of Toronto in Canada with her show Themis North, working with a curator, Julie Crooks, the first time Brooklyn-based artist has stayed at exposition in Canada. And it's only the second time the AGO has exhibited the work of a black woman artist. The Thomas exhibit is powerful and extraordinary contemplation of on the interaction of the both being black and a, and a woman. Thompson takes inspiration from multiple art forms and movements and historians like the Impressionisms and the focus on issues such as race, represented sexuality, and black celebrity culture. As a black woman, it is the first time that I've seen pictures of or walked of people walking on the floor of the AGO and have seen 
looking in, the reflection back at me, how or something for a Canadian like for most people who live there. I feel like Tom's visionary, a black woman who is a, it's from a American point of view, if you're not familiar with it, or if you live in a different continent, as most of my, I realize that most of my viewers are either from London or somewhere else bigger across the pond in that sense. Um, blackness in Canada has often been framed through an African-American lens. The representation, or lack of, is an issue that needs to be thoroughly explored. You want to get more details on it. There is a book called Beauty in a Box, detangling the roots of, of a Canadian black beauty culture. You easily find it on Amazon or somewhere in your local bookstore, Barnes & Noble, or Books A Million. Um, for example, one of the reasons why black beauty culture has not received much attention in Canada until now is because the task of locating black voices in Canada historically records have been and remain a difficult challenge. Across the border, there are archival collections depicted two Americans such as a Somburg Center for Research in Black Culture in New York City, but we don't have anything, but we don't know it's anything like that in Canada as well. Media circles African American experiences and when you start researching black beauty in Canada, most people were shocked there wasn't enough material for them to write about in a book. The assumption was the topic would have to focus squarely on African American women. For decades, Canadian culture institutions have consumed African American desires and fantasy as they stand in for Black Canada. As a result, Black can Canadian representation is popular culture has been rendered invisible. Throughout the 20th century, culture and practices were co-produced through the circulation of African American through media. From African American TV shows in the 1970s, films in the 1980s, and beyond, Canadians probably know more about the African American experience than they do about black Canadians because of their media culture. Canadian media culture has participated in the creation of identity that privileged African American image products and ideology. These identities occasionally originally crossed from the U.S. to Canada board as a desire and fantasy represented in advertising and later on television, film, and today's art which is very sad, to say the least. Um, let's see what else. Black women are here today. When Tron Anthony, the kink in my hair, TV series appeared from 2007 to 2009, based on the play of the same name, it was the first comedy series created by a star and a black woman on Canadian national television. The broadcast of the kink in my hair happened nearly 40 years ago after Drew was 1968 and 71, in which Donna Carl became the first African-American woman to star on a U.S. sitcom in a non-stereotypical role. Finally, for once. You know, we don't get a lot of chances like that non-stereotypical role. Just saying. Um, <laughs> the rotation between gaps between African-American women and black women can spans decades. To make up for some of the historical invisibility, this month and throughout the winter to the AGO in the living room, black and a engaging in, with Thompson's art and discussing their experiences. Each be set in the Femme North living room space, which is modeled after Thompson's childhood home growing up in New Jersey. I can now wonder what part. But besides the point, the patchwork chairs and books from African-American women authors become the art installation. Visitors are called to engage immediately with painting installations and videos on the walls, but also the productive space, the living room that birthed Thompson's art in the first place. The first discussion in the series, The Disapproving Black Body, will feature portrait photographer Jordan Charleston and Shala Miller, an artist and resident at Nina Center from the Art in Toronto, to discuss Black bodies, power, and the grays. Black beauty is always, is always political. No matter what anyone says, black beauty is always political. Why 
regardless of the difference between Black Canadian experience and African American one, there are universally Black beauty experiences that unite all women of African descent. For example, one of these experiences is caring for and discussing about Black hair, which I discussed earlier in my first ever podcast episode that I did talking about Black hair. This public conversations are hurtful to many Black women. The New York-based online platform Hello Beautiful, which targets their article towards Black women, recently asked why Black women should have to defend wigs and weeds more than any other woman. The article explores why black women are constantly asked to defend being women in all the things we do, like our hair, to feel beautiful. Which is sad the case. We just we just stopped learning to copy the different hairstyle and learn to accept their own hairstyle in a way. But it's gonna take a while for other people to not ask us to defend our hair if we change it a certain way. So that is always the case and that will always be the case as long as people keep asking us about it, sadly. One thing, on the one hand, our hair is connected to many painful childhood memories of being teased by the children. Yes, I experienced that as a child. And sometimes adults. And about other various braiding hairstyles. On the other hand, natural hairstyles like afro, dreadlocks, or cornrows, tightly braided rows of hair, might denote a black woman's politics, but they can also be a hairstyle or just her preference with no political meaning whatsoever. Black women who wear hair weaves or wigs can also be subject of ridicule. In 2017, the Fox host Bill O'Reilly was forced to apologize to a California congressman, Maxine Water, who is African American, when her when he made her dissipate comment about her hair on the cable news program Fox and Friends. He described her shape her straightened hair as a James Brown wig. Wow, black hair is constantly debated politicized, and misrepresented in media, art, and popular culture. A simple decision about wearing it natural or training can result in a action not in America, but right here in Canada as well. This was the case for a waitress in Tranley who lost her job at Jack's Oyster because she wore her hair in a bun and not down, as required by the female waitstaff while working at a restaurant. Black hair story resonates with black Canadian women too, but resonate is not the same as rep- representation. We while have why have black Canadian women artists not be given the same opportunity to exhibit their work as a solo artist in Canada? This question about black art, black Canadian artists and how black art has been represented and circulated becomes prominent in Canadian media lately. And also a few, by curator Ashley McKenzie, Bones writes an article for the Toronto Star and argues that Canadians are fair public art and insulated special major institution and gallery needs to make space for black Canadian artists. She is right. We have to do the work, and now we need to get the space to get it recognized for it. And that's all I have to talk about uh, the topic for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was, well, more on the long side, which I'm impressed, because normally when I talk about these topics, about specifically Melanie Problem Podcast, I go beyond what I have seen in my experience, and I try to do my research of what I've seen in the media and art of other black women being um represented in the media and art and other pop culture norms in a sense and i think when we get that discussion on gender and race it's very important to make sure that we listen but also make sure we don't judge too quickly because i know everyone pain matters and that and that's great but i also need to feel like it, i'm not trying to pull the race car i'm not i'm just trying to take my point of view because for a while my culture in general being a black woman in general it's gonna be very hard to get anywhere in the world because of my color also also along with my gender that's two things going for me so i feel like if we have to see 
us representing art and being represented in the right way is going to be showing that we can do so much more than just being judged by our hair, whether we wear it straight, natural, whatever the case may be. But um, I hope you enjoy this podcast for today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I hope you're blessed. And I'll see you again for another Melanin Girl podcast. Also, I have a Instagram where I put my polls at where I talk about different topics. So if you have other ideas of Melanin Girl topics that I should talk about for the next podcast, comment on my Instagram. If you have me on Snapchat, comment on Snapchat for me. Um, if you're friends with me on Facebook, comment on Facebook. Leave a message down there in the messenger on Facebook if any ideas you may have known or just simply call or text me and I'll be glad to hear your ideas and also share my podcast with your friends with your family in school but if case may be I hope you really enjoy these podcasts that I create for y'all today um season one will be ending soon but then I will be starting with season two very soon um as you may know so I'm excited to have some more ideas for season two of my podcast hope y'all enjoy it for the day and i hope you have a great weekend and i'll see y'all again tomorrow for another podcast and i'll see y'all real soon bye